Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org or come join us at 10.30am every Sunday. So I'm going to welcome Neil up, aka Dad up, so we can touch and hug if people are wondering. AKA Dad. I feel weird calling him Neil. I never call him Neil. Yeah, Dad. I'll pray for you. Oh, yeah, Lord, I thank you for Dad. I thank you that he is one of your tools in this world. I thank you that he can speak to people. And I pray this morning, your Lord, you would just speak through him. Your words, it would be your words, not his. And he would be the filter, being able to tell everyone the good news, bring a bit of light into that darkness. Amen. Praise it. Let's work. We have sound. Hallelujah. I have to say well done to the team and to Hannah and the worship team for this morning. No matter what the problems, God's presence was still here with us and I pray that God's presence was with you at home as well. It's just great to worship together and to, to praise God together. It's brilliant. Um, I was reading in Isaiah chapter 9 um, and uh, maybe you'd like to turn to that if you've got your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. And um, just uh, really spoke to me, and I thought, who is this Isaiah guy who prophesied all the things about Jesus coming and being born? And uh, just reading a little bit about his life, he prophesied six to seven hundred years before Jesus was born, that Jesus would be born in Galilee. Uh, Sorry, he would come from Galilee, that he would be born. And it's amazing, the prophecy, particularly in chapter 9 and chapter 53, that six or seven hundred years before, this is such a powerful prophecy. And I was just reading uh, the words that should be on the screen. They are, for unto us a child is born, a son is given to us, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And uh, just reading that, I was just, just really touched me and I was thinking, don't we want a government that will treat people with fairness and justice? That is what we want. And at the moment, this it just seems so a million miles. But when Jesus comes, he will rule with fairness and justice. Hallelujah. And uh, that is what we want. That is what our hearts long for. But what really touched me and spoke to me was, <clears throat> we read this verse and it's really well known. At most nativities or Christmas services, this will be read out. And we've kind of got used to it. So we say, oh, you're wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it was that word, Prince of Peace, that really struck home to me. Because there is not much peace in the world at the moment. With uh, the pandemic worldwide, with Brexit, with you know, the government in chaos, all kinds of things going on, there is not much peace in the world. And it is something that the world searches for again and again and again. 
and strives to find. And here we have Jesus who comes and he says, one of my names is Prince of Peace. That's who I am. That is part of my very character, is that I come and I bring peace. And the word peace in Isaiah is, the Hebrew word is shalom, which we all probably have heard of. And this word shalom is such a good word because it means so much more than just peace. What shalom means is it means wholeness, completeness. So for example, if you were building a house and uh, finally it was finished and there were no bricks missing and the roof was on and everything looked complete, then that house is shalom. It is finished. It is complete. To bring shalom to something is to bring restoration to that which is broken. That is a lovely phrase. To bring shalom is to bring restoration to that which is broken. And that is what Jesus brings to us. He restores that which is broken. So what I want to look at, I want to look at a big picture What does Jesus do for us? He brings restoration to our broken relationship with God. He is the Prince of Peace. He brings peace where there was conflict with our relationship with God because of sin. That's the big picture. And the small picture is how does that affect me when I go to work on Monday morning or I'm standing outside the school with the kids or I'm in the supermarket or I'm awake at five o'clock in the morning with my mind racing. How does God's peace come and help me then? Because it's both. It's not one or the other. But let's start with the big picture. Jesus comes to us as sinners and restores our relationship with God. Remember, our relationship with God is broken because of sin. God is a holy God. He cannot abide sin and we are sinners by our nature, the Bible tells us. We are sinners and Jesus comes to restore that relationship. There is a gap between us. You know, the famous picture of the cliff on one side is God, the cliff on the other side is man, and there's a big hole in the middle which is sin, and the cross comes and it covers that gap. Jesus bridges the gap between us and God. He comes to restore our relationship with God. He comes to make it whole again. He comes to bring shalom to our relationship with God. Once you were far away, now you're brought near. Hallelujah. Once you were dead, now you're alive. This is the transformation that God has made in us. It's not just a little transformation. When you become a Christian, you are going from death to life. You are going from darkness to light. It's an amazing transformation and restoration that God does in our hearts and our lives. He brings peace to us where before there is no peace. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. He reconciles us to God. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. We have shalom with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. And that's enough, in one sense. You think, wow, that's amazing. But there's more. In Romans 5, verse 8 to 11, 
it says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners and since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, whilst we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made us friends of God. What an amazing statement. There we were in enmity against God. We're one side, he's the other. We're miles away from him. Our relationship is broken and he comes and he makes it new. And he says, now you are friends of God. You are friends of God. I don't, I'm not sure we think of ourselves in that way so often. We think of God who's up there and we're down here. And God's, he says, no, hold on a minute. Because of Jesus, you're my friend. God is our friend. We are friends of God. The reconciliation is complete. Our relationship with God is no longer broken. We're not outsiders. We're not even slaves. He now says we're friends of God. What an amazing transformation has taken place. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And in the big picture, he brings peace, shalom, to our relationship with God. Paul in Ephesians chapter 2 describes this whole transformation and uh, if I'm going to give you any homework this week it is going to be to read Ephesians chapter 2. It is my favourite chapter in the Bible. It's an amazing chapter, full of truth. And he just says this at the end of chapter 2. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles, that's us, we're not Jewish are we? We're English or... American or Irish or Scottish, whatever we are, we're not Jewish, so we're Gentiles. That's who we are, right? So he brings the good news of peace to you Gentiles, that's us who are far away, and peace to the Jews who were near, because the Jews lived where Jesus was. But this is a reconciliation between two different sets of people, Jews and Gentiles. The Jews and us, the rest of us, wherever we're from. I'm just looking at Sundar. Here we are. India and all those people out there who love Jesus. That's who Jesus came for. He came to reconcile and bring them into the kingdom. Hallelujah. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. It's all about Jesus. It's not what you do. It's not what we do, it's all about what Jesus has done. He has come to reconcile us to God. Big picture, wonderful picture. It's a preach all by itself and I only have 20 minutes and the elders are really sticking to this today and they've said, you've got 20 minutes, they're really looking at their watch, I'm halfway through. So in the new year I will do a preach on this, one preach which will be much longer and much better. But this is the big picture that Jesus comes and changes our relationship and makes us friends of God. By his death on the cross, he reconciles us to God. He brings wholeness and completeness. He brings peace to our troubled hearts. Hallelujah. 
the disciples on the boat, the wind and the waves and the storm are going. What does Jesus do? He says, why are you afraid? Have you no faith? Don't you know who I am? And he brings peace. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? He's your Jesus. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Your job situation is difficult, here's Jesus. Your work situation, your school situation, the trial that you're going through at the moment, here is Jesus. Who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Hannah read out that scripture earlier. That's Jesus. In every circumstance of life, he wants to come and bring peace, the shalom of Christ. Hallelujah. So big picture, fantastic. I get excited about it. It's amazing. Your salvation is absolutely incredible. And if you've just got saved on the Alpha course, then that is an amazing story that you can tell to everyone how God has come and changed your life. And we've all got a testimony of what God has done for us. Hallelujah. So small picture. That's great, but how does that affect my life on a daily basis where there is conflict, strife, anxiety and worry? Um, I read this this week, it's John Piper, who uh, most of you probably know I really like. He says, make no mistake, the natural bent of life is to be filled with anxiety, fear and worry. Our stress-filled, deeply broken world serves up daily doses of things that thrive on stealing the peace of God that he intends for our lives. It's no wonder Jesus, just hours before his departure from this earth, told his disciples he was going to leave them his peace. Not the false peace that the world serves up, but the real deal. Why? Because he knew they would need it. And he knew you and I would need it. And if there's one person who can deliver on that promise, it is Jesus. After all, he is the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah declares in chapter 9, verse 6. That was just in my daily readings this week, and I'd already decided to preach on this, and it was just, John Piper puts it in a much better way than I ever could, but it's so true. The world constantly tries to take our peace away through circumstances, through situations. And how do we apply the peace that Jesus gives us in our lives to our lives? Okay, Isaiah, we go back to Isaiah again. Isaiah 26, verse 3 and 4 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. So there's two things here. There's trust, first of all. We have to trust in God. We have to trust the Lord. He says he's the eternal rock. There's that picture of stability, immovability. He is faithful. He is the same yesterday, today and forever immovable, faithful God. He does not change. We change, our circumstances change, our lives change. 
we rely so much on our feelings. One day you get up and you feel fine, the next day you get up and you feel miserable, and we rely on those feelings and how we react with things during the day. But God is unchanging. He doesn't wake up and feel miserable. He wakes up and every day is a day where he can bless people and look after people and care for people and love people, because that is his nature. He is unchanging. And you have to remember that whatever you're going through, that our God is an unchanging God. And he says, when you do that, you have to trust me. You have to trust in who I am. You have to trust in what I've done for you before. You have to remember what God has done in your life previously. Go back and say, has God ever let me down? Has God ever left me? No, he hasn't. Why? Because he's a faithful God. He's the rock that you can run into. And the second thing it says here is fix your eyes on Jesus. Now that's really important because our eyes get taken up with our circumstances. You know, we even have a phrase for it. We say, I couldn't see the wood for the trees. What does that mean? It means it was so, I'm so involved with it. I'm so, it's in my mind. It's here. What am I going to do? I can't see what I should be doing. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Take your eyes off your circumstances and instead fix them. And if you're fixing something, then there's an action there. It's not a passive thing. You have to take your head and you have to move it and you have to fix. So Phil is sitting over there. I'm going to fix my eyes on Phil. And I'm looking at Phil and I've fixed my eyes. My problem is over here. I could be looking at my problem, but I'm not going to fix my eyes on Phil. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. Not that Phil and Jesus are the same, you understand. <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. <laughs> but that's, that's what it's about. It's about fixing your eyes on Jesus. Because we get taken up with this huge thing. And our vision is fixed on it. I'm getting out of camera view apparently. I do apologise about that. This always happens when I say, you need some cones at either end. Keep me hemmed in. But fixing your eyes on Jesus is so important. Because we get taken up with the problem and then your mind goes into overdrive. You're awake at five o'clock in the morning and you're running through all these things in your mind and you think, if I say that, they're going to say this and if I do that, they're going to do this. And it's like a chess game. And then the enemy comes in and fills your mind with fear and anxiety and worry. In that moment, you have to turn your head and fix your eyes on Jesus. And it may mean you get up and you put worship music on. It may mean you get up and you read the word and you read the promises of God. Because that's what we have, are his promises in the Bible. I will keep you in perfect peace if you trust in me. Fix your eyes on me. I am the rock that you can run into. Hallelujah. These are great verses. Ephesians chapter 2 is the same. Romans chapter 5. These are great verses we need to remind ourselves of. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul speaking. Do not be anxious about anything. <sighs> when I read that verse, I, I struggle with that verse. Do not be anxious about anything. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I'm anxious about so much. How can I make this work for me? But in every situation, by prayer 
and petition, with thanksgiving, worship if you like, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now that is a promise of God. That is a verse you need beside your bed if you're waking up at five in the morning. Because God's promises is that he will bring peace to you which passes our natural understanding and he will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And if you're awake at five o'clock in the morning, that is exactly what you need, is someone to come and guard your heart and mind. Because it feels like the enemy's in there with a set of symbols bashing them and reminding you of what you're going through and saying it's going to be terrible, the result is going to be awful and he just fills your mind with all these scenarios. And God says, I'm going to guard your heart and mind. That is a great word. And you know that word actually in the Hebrew is a word for garrison. That's what it actually means. I'm going to garrison your heart and your mind. And that picture of a garrison is so important. It's a secure place. It's well guarded. It's a place of safety and security. And that is what he promises to us. That I will garrison your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And he tells us these things because he knows what we're like. He knows that we're, we get anxious and worried and concerned. He knows all those things. And he says, this is how you deal with it. You fix your eyes on Jesus. Come, pray, worship, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard or garrison your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't we need that so much? I know I do. Oh, Lord, come garrison our hearts and minds, I pray in Jesus' name. Biblical peace is based on a person, Jesus, not on our circumstances. That is so important. The world teaches you to get through your circumstances, get through your trials, get through your tribulations, have a strong mind, stand, be strong, you can do it, you can get through. But biblical peace is totally the opposite. It's not about what you can do, it's about what Jesus is. Not even what Jesus brings, who he is. He is the Prince of Peace. That's who he is, it's his nature, the Prince of Peace. And so, it's not about my circumstances, it's about who you are, Jesus. Teach me, teach us to trust in you. Teach us to come to you with our situations. This is what the peace of Jesus brings. This is who the Prince of Peace is. He brings peace to your heart. He reconciles you with God. He, it means we're friends of God when we become a Christian which is an amazing thing to say, but it's true, hallelujah. But he brings and he wants you to have a life that has the peace of God available for every circumstance that you come across. That's what he wants. He wants big picture, which is amazing and wonderful, but he wants small picture. He cares for you. He cares for your circumstance. Hannah read that scripture earlier on in every circumstance. 
not some, all. And so we just come, Lord Jesus, and uh, we want to know this peace in our hearts and our minds. I just want to pray for you this morning, for, for us, for everyone. Romans 15, 13, this is Paul praying. He says, I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that God, the source of all hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and have your way in our hearts and minds this week. I pray that you would be the Prince of Peace for each and every person that hears this, that they would know that our God is a rock that we can run into, that you will come and garrison our hearts and our minds. Lord Jesus, just reveal to each and every one of us who you are this week, this amazing Prince of Peace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.